Hi, hello, and welcome back. This is Tori Talk Scripture. I'm Tori. I'm here to go with you through the book of Mark. We're going through Mark 3 right now, and I have some interesting thoughts about Mark 3 and some things that have stuck out to me today that haven't quite stuck out to me before, or maybe it's just a life situation that I'm in, so I'm here to go with you through that and uh, take this time to relax, be in God's Word, Take a moment to listen to what God has to say to us in his word, because that's where he comes to us. He speaks to us, and he tells us what's up about life. So as you get in the beginning of uh, Mark 3, Jesus here, starting it off, it says, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Now, if you know anything about the Sabbath means rest, and in that time, they really took that seriously, that if you were if you were doing anything on the Sabbath, like, if you were to work with your hands, they're like, cut off your hands, quite literally. And so the fact that it starts off with Jesus healing someone, he's taking some people off here. So if we look at uh, Mark 3 in the beginning, it talks about, um, it says, then Jesus said, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remain silent. They is the Pharisees. So we looked at around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. And this brought a thought of when we get confused about something or don't understand what's going on or it's against something that we believe how many of us jump to anger? I know sometimes I do when I don't understand something that's going on. Maybe I was given a hard um, news about someone or I thought that something was going to go planned and it didn't and whatever it may be, sometimes our first reaction is anger or distrust in what's going on because it's just not how we thought it was supposed to be. And for these Pharisees, all they've ever known was you don't do these things on the Sabbath. Who is this weirdo doing things on the Sabbath? He has to be evil, which, quite frankly, I also find hilarious. Like, they're literally standing in the like face-to-face with Jesus, and they're like, nah, he's a bad dude. But anyways, going back to how we react to unexpected things or things that are out of the norm or ordinary, it begs the question of what are we supposed to do with that kind of news? Something that just shakes us to our core, that just really confuses us. I mean, ultimately, there are people who, um, one, they act with anger. Two, they could be in denial. Three, they're just in confusion. But what do we do with those questions? What do we do with those frustrations? Do we hold them in? Because I feel like that's when Satan takes us captive, is when we hold those feelings of confusion, frustration, denial in and start trying to process it ourselves. Ultimately, God's like, bring it to me. He wants to wrestle with you. He wants to cry with you. He wants to yell with you. He wants to do everything with you. And so I think this part begs the question of when we don't understand something, when life throws us a curve ball, you know, do we, do we act in anger? Do we act in confusion? Where do we bring that? Like, we're allowed to have feelings. Jesus had feelings, too. He was man and God. But I think our feelings should lead us to our Savior in the sense of we need to go to him for comfort. And what does that look like? 
because I, I know for myself that it's not like I'm like, I'm angry. Thank you, Jesus. Like it, it's a process. And so I'm just, I'm just throwing that question out there of what does that look like for us? What does it, what does it look like to wrestle with those thoughts, those things that are maybe out of the norm um, and those curveballs in life? How do we wrestle with that and bring it to God at the same time? And so um, later on in the, in Mark three, um, the crowds follow Jesus. You know, this begs the question also is, was Jesus an introvert? There are so many times where like Jesus is with a crowd of people and then all of a sudden later he's like, I'm praying alone on a mountainside or it, in this part, he's like, guys, get a boat ready because <laughs> there's large crowds of people. That's just my interpret interpretation of that. But I was like, man, is he an introvert? Like, does he need solitude? And, or is it just like, he's just trying to connect with God and he really is an extrovert. I don't know. But the thought of Jesus being an introvert just really made me laugh today and, and wrestle with that too. What, what was Jesus like? Did he need to be alone to rejuvenate himself? Did he need to be around people? Was he both because he encapsulates all of us? Questions, rabbit holes for you guys to go down with me. But anyways, later on, um, Jesus appoints the 12 disciples. And so he appoints them again. Mark is not a disciple. Still something I have to remind myself because I, for my whole life, I thought he was, it's fine. And so he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them to preach and have authority to drive out demons. So he's equipping his 12 disciples and realizing I need to reach all these people, but I can't, I am equipping you guys to go and do those things. And so I I don't think that you need to go up to people and start driving out demons, but I do think that it does um, make us think, okay, what what is Jesus equipping us to do in our daily lives for other Christians? Is it forgiving people? Is it loving them? Is it speaking truth in love? That was something that we talked about in our youth group this past Sunday was speaking truth in love. And what does it look like? And how do we talk to somebody about these hard things, but also do it gently and kindly? And so I feel as though that was also some of the ministry that they had and some of the ministry that ultimately we have to do as well. We don't even realize the amount of times that that Jesus is equipping us. The Holy Spirit is with us during those conversations um, in speaking truth in words of healing and bringing people um, right back to scripture, right back to uh, God's word. And how great that is. So the last part that I want to read with you is Jesus being accused by his family and the teachers of the law. Uh, Basically, the teachers of the law are the Pharisees, Herodians, these people who knew the law of the land and that was right and nothing else could be um, right. And so if we look in Mark 3, it says, How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven of all of their sins and all the blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, but is guilty of an eternal sin. And so this is the part where Jesus is blatantly saying, where you are, where you're at, I'm taking you and I'm forgiving you. But the second that you deny who he is and these people were denying it and they were saying, no, that's where we have this heavy sin 
where Jesus is like, if you deny me and you deny the Holy Spirit, then ultimately you've denied your salvation. And that's a really touchy subject with people. And so what what does that look like? What does what does that look like when your fellow friend is truly wrestling with their faith? Are they, you know, you're wondering, are they saved? Are they going to have to wrestle with this for the rest of their lives? And that's where we get to walk with our friends, our colleagues, whoever this person is wrestling with this, um, to help lead them back and to speak truth and love to them. When you are at this point, you're really wrestling with these thoughts. You know, ultimately, you just want to say anything and everything to that person to get them to just believe. But really, there's something hardening in their heart. And we just have to pray so hard that the Holy Spirit can really soften that up. And obviously, the Holy Spirit has power to do so. But it really just boils down to where are you going with your questions, your frustrations, your confusions, Are you going to the internet? Are you going to just say these things to yourself and not find people or scripture to lead you back to God? And this Christian community that we are given is just a beautiful thing. Use it. Talk to them. Don't be alone in your struggles. There's God made us to be in community with one another. He is the ultimate example of community by sending Jesus. He's like, I know you need people. Here is my son who died for you and rose again so that you don't have to deal with this alone. Here's this community of believers. Once you're baptized, you get this beautiful family that is here to love and support you. And so wherever you are, whoever's listening to this, I hope you know that you are supported, that you are loved and you're being prayed for. And I just hope and pray that people continually reach out to you and love you and care for you. And so I just want to say God's blessings to the rest of your day. And let's be in the world, but not of the world. Amen.